Hey friends, can't wait till Wednesdays to get your Modern Mamas fixed. Join us on Patreon. You can choose your tier and when you subscribe, you'll get bonus content, early access to retreat, first peeks at new swag, plus shout outs and even real time monthly virtual hangs with us. Visit patreon.com forward slash modern mamas podcast to check it out and support the podcast. It truly means the world to us. We are so grateful for you and for this community. I love mama. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Modern Mamas podcast. We are two modern mamas here to inspire empowerment, self-love, deep physical and spiritual nourishment, holistic health, open minds, and joy, no matter your journey or perspective. I'm Laura of Radical Roots. I'm a certified CrossFit trainer, certified nutrition consultant, and mama to Evie Wilder and Indy Bow. I love outdoor adventure, good food, especially sourdough, and mindful movement. And I'm Jess of Hold the Space Wellness. I am a level one CrossFit trainer, a licensed and certified athletic trainer with a master's in kinesiology and mama to Baron Camille. I love food, trying new things, creating art and being a perpetual learner. Please note that while we're here to provide advice and insights, we aren't medical practitioners and always recommend that you check with a trusted provider before implementing any changes. Thanks for joining us. We're so happy you're here. Hi, everyone. Laura here for another episode of the Modern Mamas podcast. I feel like a little out of practice. We took a break over the holiday and I haven't interviewed anyone in a while, but I'm really excited to come back with a bang with a guest that I know I approached you a while back because I followed your journey and just really feel like you have such a cool story and perspective and community to share here in this space. So I welcome today, Abby Hearn, a professional photographer, mother, and adventurer living in Moab, Utah, most of the year and Alaska in the summer months. She and her husband, Callan, work together photographing adventure elopements in Utah and Alaska and can usually be found ice climbing on glaciers, hiking in the desert, and spending time with their two-year-old daughter. You guys can probably tell why I've been attracted to Abby's work and presence, especially on social media. Abby has been sharing her adventures and life on Instagram for over 10 years and has created a unique, uplifting community through her vulnerability and storytelling. Once again, very aligned with our perspective and approach here. And you can find Abby on Instagram at, at Abby Hearn and her elopement photography account, The Hearns. She also has a subscription-based private Instagram community that open that opens monthly to new members. And their website is thehearns.com. And that's H-E-A-R-N-E-S in case you are actively typing into your phone right now as you listen or t- into your computer. So Abby, thank you so much for coming on. I think your audience can probably already tell why I follow along with your journey and why this is such a good fit for, especially with the vulnerability and the community building, and then for the way you get outside. And then through all of that, also, you're a mama, which is lovely. So I've watched your journey since before she was born. And I'm just so grateful to have you here now to share a little bit about your life, your perspective, your community, your work, and your motherhood journey. So thank you for being here. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. That was such a nice intro. <laughs> well, your bio speaks for itself. So that that makes it easy. So before we kick off into more of the real raw, nitty gritty, all that life story, I love to kick off with an icebreaker. So as we record, it's January. We're just kicking off 2024. And I'm curious to know whether you are an intention setter, a resolution setter. And if so, have you set some sort of 2024 intention, resolution, goal? So I feel like my personality is that I would be an intention setter. (laughs) 
But for some reason, I'm just not. I've never been able to do it. I always try to. I always am like, I want to sit down and come up with goals for the year, but mm-hmm. I never can. I feel like at the end of my like big, I do this recap blog post at the end of each year to share like favorite photos that we took throughout the year. So at the end of that blog post, I do some goals, but they're really general. And I actually wrote them out quite a few years ago. And then I just barely edit them each year. So I feel like maybe I just have more like my root intentions. And I like to read through those at the end of every year and think about how I can do them better in the next year. I like that. It's consistency, which I think every study ever (laughs) has shown that it's just consistency over time. So if you can just kind of dial in those same goals, I think that's huge. I'm definitely not a resolution person. I feel almost like suffocated. My husband and I used to sit down and write like a categorized like list of goals for the year. And we look back and it's like we never necessarily, we'd sometimes, but we didn't often hit those very specific goals. And that's because life is just so ever changing and so out of our control. So I try to set an intention of like, what can I control? And usually it's just one word that I feel like encompasses kind of my energy for the year, which this year is ease, the word ease just kept coming to me. So. Oh, nice. I think I have heard of people doing the one word and I think that could be helpful for me because part of it is I'm really not like, I'm just not at all capable of peer pressure and Mm. it's like a fault and a positive. It means that I just cannot be peer pressured into something, but it also means I can't peer pressure myself into anything. (laughs) So if I like set goals, I have no need to meet them. I don't really care. I don't have any like negative feeling about myself if I don't. So I don't know. There's definitely like pros and cons to the way that I am, but yeah, I, I, I appreciate that. <laughs> I think you and I are probably similar. I know there's some tests. I forget the names of all of them, but you can kind of be, I guess you're categorized as a, a rebel. And I feel like yeah. I'm a questioner and a rebel. And I think that that probably is somewhere in, in there as well. This idea of like, I'm similar. Where And it's almost like, I don't know if this applies to you too, but where if someone starts to put pressure on me to do something, I instinctively kind of want to do the opposite. <laughs> totally. I'm like, ah, yeah, I just kind of want to be like, well, I don't need to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's weird because so I, the only personality test that I'm super familiar with is the Enneagram and I really love it. And I know I'm an Enneagram three, but they're like big goal setters. Like everybody mm-hmm. is like, oh, you're a three. So you have goals, you achieve all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't know. Yeah. It's just, I feel like I'm very like self-driven, but only if I want the thing that I'm going for. And yes. my past self setting goals has never helped me get there. So <laughs> I I like that. I imagine like three wing four with the creative nature of the work that you do. But I yeah. would honestly, I'm not supposed to pinpoint anyone. <laughs> and I feel like a two, if you winged two, that might be more. Our my podcast co-host is like an enneagram coach or whatever. So I, we know a lot about this. Oh, I'm a amazing. seven, a seven wing eight. And oh my gosh, so we could talk about that for this whole podcast. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I love it so much. And it's for so long. I think it's the wing eight and probably the seven where I was like, and the rebel. I'm like, I'm not taking a test. No one's putting me in a box. And then I finally totally. took it. And I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah, this makes my, so much sense. Totally. My husband is a seven and he's the exact same way. Like for the longest time, he was like, I'm not going to be nailed down to one personality type. And then we had some time where I was like, this would really help me for you to learn this. Like, I just really think it'd be helpful for our communication. And so he read the book and now he tells all of his friends to do it. Like all of the friends that are against it. He's like, you have to do this. It will help your relationship so much. And it really has helped us a ton because being a three and a seven is not the easiest combination, but... Yeah, it's tricky. Yeah, it's definitely fun. I I love Enneagram. 
<laughs> it's me too. My husband's a one. And the cool thing was when we were living in the van, like when a one is in a good place, they go towards a seven. And so we were like, there was times in the van and the adventure where we're very aligned and like just in this flow mode. But then there's oh, times so when special. it was kind of the opposite, where it was like yeah, really totally. hard for him to to be in that thing and in, in that ex- environment and what and whatnot. So, anyways, I just it, but similarly, so good for our communication and giving each other grace, better understanding the workings sure. and motivations of everything. So, I have to have you come back on and talk Enneagram with Jess. I'm sure she'd love that. <laughs> that <would be laughs> but before, I feel like now everyone knows your numbers. So they a lot of our listeners have a pretty good grasp of Enneagram at this point because we talk about it frequently, but. Love Let's it. get to know everything else. So before we dive into like more specific questions, I'd love it if you could just kind of give us an overview of like your story from your mouth of, you know, start wherever you want, but how you got into the work that you do photography, but then also so specifically elopements and then also even more specifically like adventure elopements and that, you know, focusing more on the outdoors and that kind of thing. Just what brought you to that work? Yeah, so I feel like, similar to most of the amazing things in our life, it happened very organically. And it was never this like huge goal of ours when we started. But basically, I grew up in Texas. I had the very normal suburban life. It was amazing. I love my upbringing. I'm so thankful for my parents, the school that I went to, the community I was in, all of those things. I went to college because that's what you have to do when you grow up in Texas, suburbs. And I had a great time there. My husband went to the same college, so we had a really good time. And then we got married really young. It was actually the semester before I graduated, and I graduated a year early. So I was 20, and he was 22 when we got married, which was kind of extreme even for Texas, but it's like really extreme for all of the other places that we've been since we left Texas. But when we got married, we moved to Houston because he was drumming in a worship band there. And we really loved it there. We loved the community at the church, but we hated living in Houston. And we felt like there was just no adventure, like nothing that we could do that really fulfilled us. So we started doing these road trips out West. The first one we did was to Colorado. We did a backpacking trip. And then on the tail end of this Colorado road trip, we actually... Callan had heard of this place called Moab and we were interested in rock climbing. We had just been like gym climbing for the most part. And he was like, let's go to Moab. It's a rock climbing area. And I was like, okay, whatever. Like, I don't really understand what there is in Utah, but I guess we'll go. And we went and it truly was love at first sight. Like I remember when we drove in, we took, I don't know if you're familiar with the area, but we went from Grand Junction and someone at the REI in Grand Junction was like, oh, you're going to Moab, take the 128, don't take the 70. So we like took the 128 and we drove through Castle Valley, saw the towers. It was super hot. It was like July, but it was so stunning. And we were both just like, what is this place? It's so amazing. But we explored it for a couple days and then we went home. And that kind of started our feelings of getting home to Texas and immediately planning a trip to Moab and feeling like I just remember being so anxious if there wasn't a trip on the calendar for me to look forward to. And at the same time, I said we got married right before my last semester. So my last semester was student teaching and I did an art degree and then I added educational and just because I thought I needed to get a job if I was going to go to college. And I realized that I hated teaching. So during that teaching semester, I was kind of experimenting with photography and I actually booked my first wedding. And that wedding was two weeks after I graduated. 
So I recruited Callan to second shoot with me because I didn't want to have to work with some other person. And we had so much fun. We shot this wedding. It was just like, it was good friends of ours, but it was like a normal Texas wedding, kind of big, out of venue. But we had so much fun with it and we loved working together. And I felt like we took really good photos. And I was like, I think I could actually do this. So I had just graduated and I kind of gave myself one year to try photography and see if that would work for me. And then I was like, if it doesn't work in a year, I'll apply for a teaching job. So I really dove into it. And that's where like the Enneagram 3 comes out. It's kind of funny because I actually never tried hard in school. I never cared about achieving at all until I found photography. And I feel like that was when I really found this kind of entrepreneurial pursuit inside of me and hit the ground running. And I built a pretty successful business over the course of a year, just shooting in Texas and mostly booking their word of mouth. We booked like every one of our friends' weddings, which at the time was like a lot of people graduating college and getting married. And by the end of that year, we had been doing photography enough that I felt like it was a good income for me. And we had also taken quite a few trips out to Moab and we had gone to Yosemite. And then the last big one we did was we took three weeks off and we drove all the way to Canada and back from Houston. And on that trip, we bought this little bitty camper that was like the size of a truck bed, basically. Like it was just a full size bed with a shell on top and then storage under it. And we bought that and it felt like such a huge upgrade from sleeping in a tent, which is what we had previously been doing on our trips. And by the time we got home, I remember on that trip, Moab was again our last stop before we had to like hightail it back to Houston. And leaving Moab, we, (laughs) it was so sweet, but we were driving away and I was crying, looking out the window, kind of trying to hide it from Callan because again, like what was tying us to Houston was his job with the band. And I knew that he didn't want to leave that job. And I knew we loved our community there. We just really didn't know anything else. And I looked over and I realized that he was also crying. And I was just like, I don't, I don't want to live in Texas anymore. And I don't think we have to. Yeah, it was just a really cool moment because we both, it was just one of those things that we were both so scared to even say out loud because it was like, I cannot overemphasize how outside of the norm this was for the community we came from. Like we had our path laid out for us. We had our calling. We were very like into the church and the calling and the, this is what we're meant to do. And that's what everyone in our life knew we were meant to do. So for us to say like, we don't want to do that anymore, but we don't really know what we want to do out here. We just know we have to be out here was a really big deal. So we had the whole 18 hour drive back to talk through that and kind of work through our fears. But we were really just like, I think we have to try. Like we're really young. We don't have children. We don't have plans to have children anytime soon. We don't have a lot of finances that we're dealing with. Like, I think we've got to do this right now or we're going to spend the rest of our lives wondering if we, you know, if we had, how different could they be? So by the time we got home, what we had decided was we would do a three-month sabbatical to try life on the road. And within a week of deciding that, we both were like, I think I finally said like, dude, if we live three months on the road, there's no way we're going back to Houston, right? And he was kind of like, yeah, you're right. 
that was California um, for us. Because Yeah, exactly. It was just one of those things where we were like, we can't, like, we can't go back to this if we have that freedom. So before we ever left, we realized like, this is it. We're not doing a sabbatical. We're not coming back. And so we sold, you know, all of our belongings, like the classic story, sold everything we had, moved into our trailer <laughs> and stopped at each of our parents' houses, mine in Austin and his in San Antonio for a couple of days just before leaving. And thankfully, both of our parents were really supportive. I think they obviously thought it was insane and they were really nervous for us, but they also knew that it fit us. That was the thing was like everyone we told was kind of like, yeah, we we knew that you would leave eventually. And we were like, oh, why didn't you tell us? You know, so it was really sweet to have this like supportive send off, but it was also really hard. We were leaving our community. We knew almost no one out west and we didn't really know anything about living out west and it was also this was like mid 2016 so van life was certainly a thing but it wasn't quite the way that it is now where you can like look up on youtube and find all these answers to things we really didn't have anyone that we were like basing this lifestyle off of or any idea what it was going to mean and i definitely had no idea how i was going to build a photography business out there so it was really scary but we went for it and Basically, we started our adventure photography business when we hit the road and we just started posting on Instagram, which it was a pretty small community, but I had had one photo shared by REI and that was like my first big boost in followers outside of our normal Texas group of people. So I had started building a community there, just like personal posts, which they're all still back there. And that's one of my favorite things about Instagram is this whole story is told there. But yeah, we started posting that we were, you know, booking sessions in these places. We started with booking kind of engagement sessions and then a few elopements trickled in or smaller weddings in these more wild places. And then we had one elopement that was like just a couple and their friends. And after we shot that, I really like blogged it super intentionally, shared it really intentionally. And like I said, there wasn't really anyone doing this. So when you've Googled adventure wedding photographer, there were like two people that showed up at the top of Google and then the rest was like not even actual photographers. So it was really easy for me to get to the top of Google for this search term. And that was like the biggest thing for us for the first few years. And 2017 was a huge booking year. We ended up shooting a ton. We drove like 65,000 miles in a year. Yeah, it was a lot. And then it kind of just, I mean, it picked up and took off from there. I think because 2017, we had done such a huge year. We essentially said yes to every gig we could possibly fit in our schedule and shot them. And I blogged every single one and I posted every single day on our Instagram and just really worked on growing that brand and that community. And like I said, there was just not much competition for this. It was a very unique thing at the time. So I think it kind of helped that it was it was different for people to see really good wedding portraits in Yosemite that wasn't something that had been shared on Instagram very much before. So it was all kind of new and fresh and just grew exponentially because of that. And we had a few weddings go viral. And then it's just since then, it's pretty much been this journey of kind of balancing the demand with what we actually want our lifestyle to be because 2017 and 2018 ended up being really busy. And we realized that the whole point of this was for us to live in these places and explore them and have time to ourselves. 
Yep. So we started dialing it back. And yeah, it's pretty much, I mean, every year I just posted my recap and this is my eighth annual like end of the year recap and it links to all the other ones. And it's really fun for me to go back and read my thoughts at the beginning of each of them because every year we learn something different. Every year we're doing something different. And now we've really narrowed into Utah, specifically Moab and Alaska. And we do like occasional little road trips outside of those places, but mostly we're shooting in places that we're really familiar with, really intimately know and love and working with just a small handful of couples compared to like 2017 and 2018 per year. So we can really pour into them and we kind of plan the whole experience. So we're a lot more than just photographers. We help them know the place and know what to do and like give them basically the best day they could possibly imagine in Moab or Alaska or wherever it is. And we absolutely love it. It's a ton of work, but it's such a good job. And the fact that we can both do it and it allows so much time to ourselves and with our daughters, like I, we every year we're just like, I can't believe we get to keep doing this. It's so great. I feel like that's a sign that you, you've chosen the right work. Yeah, totally. That's so cool. Oh, hey there, Laura here, briefly interrupting your listening pleasure to talk protein intake. I've prioritized increased protein over the past few months and in turn have noticed better energy, quicker strength gains, better balanced blood sugar, improved sleep, and faster recovery, all with more energy to take on the demands of life and motherhood. And whey is one of the highest quality, most absorbable, and easiest to consume proteins out there. And Paleo Valley's whey plus colostrum is the best on the market. I add the chocolate whey to my morning coffee and the vanilla whey to my daily whipped cottage cheese bowls, making it easier than ever to get my protein needs met. Plus, they taste amazing. No added junk, easily absorbable, super delicious. And now you can save 15%. Paleo Valley is offering our Modern Mamas community an awesome deal. Just visit paleovalley.com forward slash modern mamas to save 15% site-wide. I promise you these whey proteins are delicious. They are nourishing. And with the added benefit of colostrum, what's not to love? Check it out. Again, that's paleovalley.com forward slash modern mamas, M-O-D-E-R-N-M-A-M-A-S. Enjoy. Well, I love it. What a story. Thank you for sharing. And then that brings us up to... You know, you, like you, you meet your husband, you make that huge leap, which I can, I'm like sitting here listening and nodding my head because we were in a very similar boat, sell all the things, make a decision, know that it's going to change the trajectory of our lives. And then, you know, finding work and making all, all those shifts. It just, it's so cool to hear the story and hear how things, from my perspective, as I'm listening, it's like things fell into place as they were meant to because of the surrender that you were able to lean into and also experience together, which I think that's huge is being on the same page. Totally. And then all that leads up to you starting a family. And so I'm curious to know a few things are in that. Like, what was that transition like for you guys in terms of the decision and or or maybe that's not how it happened, you know, whatever it is, like that transition into parenthood. Yeah. And then I'd say, you know, what is maybe one of the biggest surprises and the, the biggest shifts? We'll start with the, one of the biggest surprises. So let's start here. I'm throwing a million questions at you. That transition. So you have this life, you're adventuring, you're you know, kind of dialing in the work that you do, which is quote unquote, like not, not the norm. It's unique. Right. It requires yeah. a lot of time outside potentially and 
places and environments that might not be quote unquote kid friendly. So that transition for you, how did it come about? And then how has it shifted the work that you're doing, if at all? Yeah. I mean, so again, I feel like it was somewhat organic because we actually had started before we considered having a kid, we had decided that we wanted to narrow in on Utah and Alaska a lot more. And we realized part of that was just we were feeling a little burnt out by some of the other places we had shot. And we also were just feeling like we knew those areas so intimately and we had done this job enough that we knew plans changed. So we'd had times where like weather came in and it was really like last minute, you had to change a bunch of things. And it was so helpful to be shooting in Moab and know the area so well that if like the weather is bad in Canyonlands and there's lightning potential and it's dangerous to be out on a cliff, I know a hundred places we can go that aren't dangerous. And I feel like that's just so helpful to have that knowledge. And it, I think having that happen enough times in Moab and then in Alaska, we got to the point that we were like, that would be really bad if this happened in a place we didn't know very well and we didn't know these backup locations. So we started really narrowing in those areas. And then also for context, we had we started driving up to Alaska every summer when we lived on the road. So we drove up, I think 2018 was the first summer we drove up and then we just loved it so much. We started working that into our schedule every year. So we drove up 2018 through 2022 was our last time to drive up. And at the end of 2022, we had our daughter and we ended up buying a cabin up there. And that way, this year, 2023 and moving forward, we have been able to fly up and stay in a house and not be on the road with our little girl. So way better and a lot better for our job. So yeah, the two places we've kind of narrowed in, in Moab, we with let's see. Okay, back up. So yeah, we started doing that. We started narrowing in these places. And then kind of simultaneously, I don't think we were doing that with a family in mind, but I think it kind of ended up working out that we also had been starting to consider more seriously whether or not we wanted children. And it was something that was always on our mind. I mean, especially coming from Texas, getting married really young, it's like always a question like, kids. And Callan always wanted kids. I always thought I wanted kids until we left Texas and I started to reconsider everything in my life and be like, what was it that was handed to me versus what is it that I actually want? Mm. And motherhood was one of those things where I was very much like, I've just always expected myself to have kids, but do I want this? So I went through a really good period of wondering that and talking about it with a lot of friends. I talked with friends that were like, had chosen to be child free. I talked about it with friends that had children. I talked about it with my mom and I felt like it was a really good discussion. And thankfully, Callan was really open to either way. He never put pressure on me either direction. But I ended up, a few things in my life kind of pushed me toward wanting to have a kid eventually. So my dad got really sick and he battled brain cancer for four and a half years. And it was really supposed to be like best case scenario from his diagnosis. This was 18 months. So it was kind of this interesting time in my life where it was really devastating and really hard. But after the 18 months mark, it felt kind of miraculous to still have them there. And so my family got really close through all of that. I bonded with my brothers and my parents in ways that I don't know if I would have without it. And 
in the end, like the last year of my dad's life was really heavy and really hard. And anyone who has had someone they love die of cancer, you probably know that the timeline is just so confusing. <laughs> and you have these like goodbye times and then they're not. And it's just so hard. Like it's so hard and grueling and exhausting. But part of that process kind of made me start considering what I wanted out of my end of life and like what I hoped my life would look like. And every time I pictured it, I saw being a mom. And then my dad's dad died. And when he died, he was lived a full, amazing life. He was much older, but his whole funeral, the slideshow was just like him with his kids, him with his grandkids and all of this joy. And as his grandkid, I felt the joy so closely because I remembered it. And it really just, after that, I was like, I definitely want to be a mom. So once I had decided that, my I knew that my parents had really struggled with infertility. So we were like, let's go for it. Like we don't, I want to know if we're going to like have any struggles with this or not, basically. Incredibly, thankfully, we didn't, which I feel very lucky for that, especially knowing my parents' story and stories of so many of my friends. I just am really glad that for us, Hyder came quite naturally and we were so excited, but so scared because it was like, you know, it's kind of like, oh, let's see if this works. And they were like, oh shit, it worked. So we were really excited, but definitely like, wow, we've got a lot of things to figure out because we were having a child. So thankfully we had a house in Moab at that time. We had a solid job. Our job had been built to a point where I didn't have to work really hard at it every single day like I did in the first few years. So I felt really good about that. But Alaska was a huge question mark because at that point we were still on the camper going up there. And then just in general, like babysitting and travel and all of that was like, I don't know how we're going to do this, but I know so many people do. So we'll probably be okay. So after Heider was born, we did find a really amazing babysitter in Moab. She's like the best person on the planet. We love her more than anything. Heider's obsessed with her. And that's who watches her for every gig we shoot in Moab. And then in Alaska, we found this really amazing friend that we met after we bought our house and our local community. And she one time was like, if you ever need a babysitter? And I was like, actually, I really do. And I know that it's really hard to find babysitters here. So that friend has babysat her for us when we're shooting up there. And then our other locations, really thankfully, we've been able to plan around like trips for my mom or Callan's parents to come visit us. And so we've had a few times that they've visited and babysat for us in the other locations. And then other than that, I do all of our computer work. So everything that's not like shooting in person on site with couples I'm doing. And Callan is the primary parent with Hyder, which is a role that just fits him so well. They have such a fun time. They do all the great activities in Moab and go to the library and all kinds. It's just so fun to see him be a parent and he does a really good job at it. So that's kind of how our, how things have fallen into place. But it is certainly really stressful and hard because I think, you know, our job is so like once it's booked, you're doing it. There's no sick day on a day that you have booked. So there's definitely that level of like sort of panic. But I also think it's helpful that there's two of us because if you know, something horrible were to happen, one of us can always go cover the gig and, you know, 
one of us can be with Hyder. So, so far it's worked out. But yeah, oh. it's definitely a really, <laughs> really interesting thing to take on. And yeah, it's changed you on your toes. Yeah, it's changed our life a lot. Hi friends, Laura and Jess here to chat with you about our favorite new oral care products by Wellness, a phenomenal company that we are so proud to be partnering with. Wellness, a B Corporation, was co-founded by Katie Wells of Wellness Mama after years of struggling to find safer and non-toxic products for her family. Wellness has quite a product lineup, but today we want to chat about their oral care products, all fluoride-free. Fluoride has been extensively researched and linked to potential negative side effects like hormone disruptors, acne, oral microbiome dysregulation, blood pressure issues, and more. And did you know that every toothpaste with fluoride sold in the U.S. is required to have a poison warning on the tube? Yikes. Whoa, not cool. You know it is cool, though. Wellness is not only fluoride-free, but they also use a substance called microhydroxyapatite. It's a big word. In their, <laughs> in their products, that is an all-natural substance that can replace fluoride and works to strengthen your teeth naturally and safely. Barry and Cami are loving the Strawberry Kids toothpaste, and Tim and I cannot believe how effective the whitening toothpaste has been in such a short amount of time. I need to see some before and afters. I'll take some. <laughs> if you want to check out their offerings, everything from toothpaste to deodorant to shampoo and more, we've got you covered. Wellness is offering our listeners a special 15% off discount that will be automatically applied when you shop through our unique link at www.wellness.com forward slash discount forward slash modern mama. We hope you love their products just as much as we do. Oh man, but in, in the hardest ways and the most incredible ways, no doubt. Yeah. And that kind of leads me to, because you do live this unique lifestyle and you're outside a ton and you, you live in a place that just like, you know, Utah is one of the only states that we didn't, that we really, that was on our list that we really didn't get a chance to explore yet. It's coming, but. Oh my gosh, you have to come visit us. It's I amazing. can't wait. And my girls will just love on her too. It's <laughs> going to be the sweetest. I've got a two-year-old and a six and a half-year-old. So pretty special. Oh, so fun. Yeah. And so I, I, I'm imagining, obviously, I think at this point that she's outside a lot. She's exploring a lot with you guys. She's in nature. She's adventuring. And I'm curious a couple different things. How has that been for you and for her as she's grown up in this mm -hmm. environment? And then also do you, what's been, not that it matters. You're, I know we're both a little rebellious by nature, so this wouldn't impact me, but I also almost find it amusing when people have opinions about the places that I've taken my kids and the things that we've done, for example, living in the van and spending so much time outside. Yeah. And, so both of those things. How has that been for you as a mom who has fully embraced and encouraged outside time for your daughter in the most... I've seen some of the photos. I mean, the places that she's been, it just blows my mind. And then and yeah. on top of that, like, what is the general consensus with family or just people in your world when they see it and witness you doing that? So I feel like the best part about it is that she just absolutely loves it. Like I, I went into motherhood very willing to adjust however we needed to for this child like I know a lot of people are very much like a kid goes with the life that you create them and I do think that it's true but I also one of the things my dad always said and I now as a parent I admire him even more for this but he always said the job as a parent is to discover who your child is and then nurture that mm -hmm. and I felt that very strongly growing up I've seen it very much in both of my brothers and in the life that we live and how different we are, but how much each of our individual traits were celebrated by our parents. So I feel like I've tried to do that, but it's been really fun and kind of 
like exciting to see that at least so far she freaking loves the life we do so yeah I mean it's just really great like in in Moab we live on six acres and it's a really great piece of land with like genuinely wild desert right outside the door and she navigates it so well she loves to find spider webs she like she became really stable and good at walking very quickly and I feel like lot of that was that she was just never walking on like on or on even surfaces (laughs) like from the start we were walking her on rocks and pathways and you know in sand and just things that she had to kind of learn these skills pretty quickly and then I feel like it's just so fun to see how much she develops and then like what everyone says where she shows us a world that we didn't ever know before and she kind of helps us see things differently and I feel like every experience that we love when we get to bring her on it it's like we get to do it again for the first time as far as like danger and that stuff goes I mean I think we're pretty mild and pretty safe with her overall I'm sure some people would have different opinions but honestly (laughs) yeah right because I feel like truly the most nervous I'm ever with her is in cities like in these places yeah like these places that people think is really safe and then they look at us like oh i can't believe you take your kid on a trail where there could be a rattlesnake and i'm like i can't believe you can take your eyes off your kid in a public park in a city because that freaks me out more than anything so i mean it is all relative but it just reminds me of like when we were living in the van even pre having a kid and i like most nervous we were was nights that we were camping in a city whereas if we were out on a forest road somewhere in the middle of nowhere we were never scared and I think that's very true with our life with Hyder it's like yeah there's inherent danger out in these places but to me the scariest thing as a parent is other humans like I that's what scares me is the people that could hurt her the people that could hurt me like that kind of danger so being really far away from that I feel much safer I will say in Alaska I'm not comfortable yet hiking with her alone because I'm terrified of grizzly bears Uh. Um, so I don't know if I'll ever get there a lot of my friends that are moms there just don't do adventures alone you know but you know like I would be comfortable going out with another mom and our kids it's just like the one person and a small child a lot scarier so I think we evaluate risk really well, but yeah, it is very funny to me. Some of the things that my friends will say, or even people that are like, oh my gosh, it's so amazing. You like take her on these hikes. And it's like, the thing is with a kid, you're parenting them no matter what you're parenting them in your living room or you're parenting them out on a hike. And I personally think it's way easier to parent outside. My husband and I have found this time and time again, that like the days where the weather is really bad and you have to stay indoors all day. That's where we feel the most like crazy and like this is so difficult. Whereas when we go take her on missions, it kind of makes the day just a lot more fun. Time passes more. She gets more stimulation that's not directly from us having to do something the whole time. I just feel like getting out of the house is the easiest way to parent. So it's always shocking to people are like, I can't imagine like taking my kids somewhere. I'm like, you need to try it because it may parenting so much easier a hundred percent i did a reel like two years ago i think and it was just about how like parenting is easier outside there's like there's no wall to bounce off of there's space to just be 
And I don't know about when I'm home, I, there's, I'm just like, I need to sweep. I need to organize what is in this drawer. Like there's so much laundry to fold. Totally. But yeah, everywhere else, I'm like, I'm free. so many other things. Yeah, I agree. That's such a good point because I'm thinking about so many things when I'm at home. And then even like kids are really messy and I don't like mess. Like I like my house to be clean and it doesn't matter if they're outside. <laughs> but totally. if she spills her milk, it's not a big deal because we're out in the desert, you know? And so, yeah, I feel like a lot of the things that are were scary to me about having a kid, I realized were mostly about like staying indoors with a kid. <laughs> yep. And it's pretty nice to be outdoors and have access to that, which I definitely feel very lucky that we have. We do have so much access to safe outdoor land that I feel good about. And I definitely feel feel sad for my friends that don't have that, you know, even if they want to do it. They're more nervous about their walking trails or the parts that they go to or something like that. Yeah. Man, so cool. Okay. So for the, so for the most part, no, no weird looks. People aren't aren't giving you a hard time. And I feel like there's a big shift happening. You see like the the thousand um hours outside folks and like there's just a huge push towards getting kids outside and it's so good for them for me it's like more dangerous honestly for a kid to sit inside and like in a bubble in their house with screens and whatnot for their longevity and their like long-term mental and physical health and it is to get them out in potentially dangerous places but like you said i trust my daughter's ability to like know their body in space when they're climbing and jumping than a stranger at a park or in a city totally I think we just need to let the kids learn that they, you know, and that, like you said, she can walk better earlier. And it, my, my second was the same. It's very cool to see. So I love that. Yeah. Very cool. Okay. Well, I, you know, we talked a little bit about like biggest changes pre and post having your little one. So let's talk motherhood. And then we can kind of round out on with this topic. Just as you've come into motherhood, I've got three questions. As a family around din- the dinner table every night, we talk about like rose, thorn, and bud. The rose is the biggest joy mm-hmm. of the day. You know, the the thorn is the biggest challenge of the day. And then the bud is what are you most looking forward to? So I'd say when we talk about the biggest challenge, I think with that often comes a lesson. So we can start there and then finish on with all the mm-hmm. good. Maybe what's been the <laughs> biggest challenge and or biggest lesson as you've navigated motherhood this far? That's such a good question. I think, I mean, one of the biggest challenges that I've faced is the fear of just everything. Like I've tried to talk to some friends about this now and I've realized that it's something, it's one of the things that I can only talk to other moms about because I sound just crazy talking to people that aren't parents yet. But the fact that before having her, I couldn't have anticipated how easy it would be to ruin my life now that I do have her and in a sense I just mean like I now can't imagine life without her and I used to be a really rational person I used to be able to like understand like there could be this like this could happen and this is I'd be okay and this could happen and I'd be okay and with this one it's just like I literally can't imagine anything happening to her and when I think too much about it I get like really upset and antsy and anxious and I can't read stories about things happening to other little children I can't consume media about that it's just like completely shifted this thing in my brain where I have to in order to enjoy my life I have to pretend as if nothing could happen and it feels very weird to be that way and I feel like I guess just the mental battle of avoiding that fear 
and avoiding that line of thinking is definitely a new challenge for me. And then on top of that, just the pressure of like, I'm raising a human now and I hope she's a good one. I hope she likes her life. I hope she likes me, <laughs> you know, like yeah. there's, it's oh, just gosh, yeah. so hard and scary. And you know, all of your flaws more than anyone else. And your partner yeah. probably knows them more than anyone else outside of them. So the idea of bringing all of that to the table to raise a small person and like already seeing things where I'll say something and then I'll be like, oh my gosh, that's like damaging for me to say or think that toward her. I need to, remove. you know, it's just so scary. So I feel like that's been the biggest challenge for me is just like having these, these pressures and these fears and this like, am I doing it right? Am I screwing it up? And the truth is I'm probably both, you know, but yeah, I think that's like my biggest challenge is just the overthinking and the, the fear of like, do I need to go to therapy? Like, what am I doing wrong here? Like what? I don't know. It's just this like all of this stuff that I'm like, what am I not going to do correctly? Totally. I mean, we know like, I think our generation is a little bit more aware of, you know, they call it like the word is gone, but like basically the traumas that are passed down generational kind of like traumas and breaking cycles yeah. and that kind of thing. And so I think about the th my, like, like you said, great childhood. I was loved. I was cared for. I was provided for. I was safe. But there are a lot of things that I feel like maybe I didn't get that I want to make sure that my daughters do on the more like emotional right. support kind of way and the freedom, like you said, and the expectations and shifting those. But I'm so hypercritical of myself sometimes. And I think motherhood is so hard in that way. You love someone so much that you're so afraid to mess it up. But we're, but then it's totally. like we're saying that we're going to we're like we're going to you know and so it's kind of yeah. the biggest tool I can give her is therapy is awesome I am going yeah. to mess up and I'm going to say I'm sorry and communicate to me when I'm doing something like that's not serving you you know it's so hard it's so hard totally. I find it harder as they get older because my oldest like I said is six and a half now and there's times when like the sass comes out or the saltiness and I'm like oh shoot first my first thoughts like don't talk to me like that and then I'm like ooh yeah. Where is she getting that? Am I modeling the right tone all the time? You know, it's, man, hard. <laughs> totally. No, I feel the same way. I feel like, I mean, even too, there's like these, like the just personality aspects that come out and the way I respond to them. I'm like, oh my gosh, I've got to get my shit together before she's three. <laughs> you know, which I'm sure that healing like will persist for the rest of her oh, life. Oh yeah, I've been <laughs> saying that since, and, and like you said, around this like two, three, four, and then it just, they become more aware and you watch them repeat things that you say this is kind of a funny yeah. story so i was singing the yankee doodle song like came home from school kind of singing the first verse and i have no idea what the second verse words are so i'm just like you know it's like thank you doodle keep it up and it's like yankee doodle dandy and then something along like i think i just was joking around we were driving and i was like mind the something and the something and then i think i finished it by saying and let the girls be randy you know and just like totally yeah. joking around like they're not going to pick up on that and it was like kind of just quiet with everyone was just like da 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 and then all of a sudden five minutes later in the drive she's like mama what's randy mean I'm like oh shoot <laughs> like how do i uh, approach the conversation about a, like a girl being randy you know to my sister yeah without making oh like sex talk weird so it's just this constant reminder of the more the older they get they're so aware the questions come are catch me so off guard <laughs> but it's yeah. also the best ever Hello friends, it's Jess here. I need to talk to you about something that's so near and dear to my heart. 
nutrition for mamas and women in their childbearing years. When I was deep in my conception and preconception planning years, one of the hardest things to navigate was finding high quality vitamins and supplements to support a healthy pregnancy and postpartum experience. There is so much misinformation and false claims out there, and it makes it so hard to know who to trust with your health, which is why I am just over the moon happy to be partnering with Needed, a company not only providing radically better nutrition products, but also advocating for better maternal and infant health outcomes through their dedicated research and clinical study. And we're thrilled to be able to offer you 20% off your first month by visiting thisisneeded.com and using the code MODERNMAMAS at checkout. The amazing thing is that not only is Needed a one-stop shop for all your prenatal vitamin needs, they also have complete plans for your fourth trimester needs and beyond. I just turned 40 this year, whoop, and I'm so excited to be using their Women's Health Plan, which includes a multivitamin, omega-3+, and stress support, which helps maintain optimal hormonal balance, thyroid and metabolic health, a healthy stress response, focus and mood support, a healthy immune response, and contributes to your overall energy, beauty, and vitality. Okay, I don't know about you, but with the 2023 I had, this is all much needed. Why don't we all start 2024 with the ultimate goal of nurturing ourselves the best we can? And one easy way to do this is by being consistent with high quality supplementation. You can check out Needed and get 20% off your first month by visiting thisisneeded.com and using the code MODERNMAMAS at checkout. Let's make this the year of you, friend, with radically better nutrition. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it is, in some ways it's so scary and in some ways it's like a really exciting puzzle and adventure. Mm. And I just feel like the fact that I get to do it Mm -hmm. and that I get to see these like things come about because of the efforts that we put in, like there's so much fulfillment in it, which I didn't really expect. I kind of went into parenthood, you know, with the... So many people are like, oh, it makes you super selfless. Like it shows you all your flaws, like all these things. And I was like, okay, I'm ready. Like I'm ready to take that on. And I just didn't really realize all the positives and how much it's like you see your effort come to fruition over and over and over. Like I, (laughs) this is, I know some parents get annoyed when you compare like parenthood to raising a dog, but it's the best way I've been able to explain it where it's like, you know, whenever you're teaching a dog to like shake, and then they finally get it and then they can do it on command. And it's just the most fulfilling thing where you're like, this is so adorable. And it's like, they're doing a little funny human thing. And it's so funny. I feel like raising a kid is that every single day, like there's these little things that you teach them or they like pick up on what you said, or they think for themselves in some way, or they you know, they'll say something. You're like, where did you even learn that? And it's just so cool because it's like, dogs learn like five tricks and it's the most exciting thing that you get. And they're like 15 years that you get with them. And a kid is like a new trick every single day. Yeah. It's just really, yeah, I love it. The best. That's, I love it so much. So we talked about challenge (laughs) and lessons. Let's round out the episode. I feel like this is fun. Biggest joy. And then your bud, what do you look forward to? And, you know, we're very much about living in the moment, but I think it's also fun to look forward to things that are coming. And that's probably the seven in me as well. But what has been, like, if you were to kind of sum up, like, Maybe one doesn't have to be. We always, my daughter gets like paralysis and we're like, what was your highlight? She's like, oh, I had so many. So I'm like, okay, what was one highlight of the day? What's been one joy? I'm the same way. That's how I feel. But the first thing that comes to mind is just, I smile and laugh more than I ever have in my life since having her. There's so many hard things and definitely more tears shed than I ever have either. But I just, it's, she is so funny. 
She's so adorable. She's so smart. She's so kind. She's so cuddly and sweet. I mean, there's just so many things that I'm like, this is the most fun and loving person I've ever met. And getting to spend my days with her is just so wonderful. I feel like, I mean, it's certainly hard. And there's definitely times where I like need a break and, you know, where I'm not perfectly present and all these things. But overall, I just feel like there's so much joy in it. And my life is so much happier since having her. And I really did not expect that or tell myself that that was going to happen. So it's been a really nice surprise. Yeah, magic. And you can't, it's just one of those things where you can't know until you know. I feel like you just can't know until yeah, you're in it. Totally. I love it. And then what are you looking forward to? I mean, I feel like I really do just, I love every single age that we've reached. Like mm-hmm. I, there, I never miss any of her previous ages. I don't miss holding a newborn or, you know, having like, I don't know, a 10 month old or something. I don't really miss any of that. And I feel like it's just so much fun to keep seeing her grow. But when I think about it, I mean, I'm definitely really excited for when she's old enough to like want to go on a hike with me and we can talk about things. I feel like it's going to be really fun once we can start chatting and holding conversation and she's asking me questions and we can just have more of a communicative relationship. I think that's something that I really value in my friends and value in my family. And I'm so excited to have that with her. And I just can't wait to see who she is. I feel like there's so many things that I am excited to teach her and talk to her about. But mostly it's just like so cool that there's a ton that I have no idea. I don't know what kind of questions she's going to ask. I don't know what kind of things she's going to want to wear or what kind of music she's going to want to listen to or you know, what toys she's going to want or anything. I just can't wait to see all of that develop. and see who she is i love it so much i my good friend of mine she's her daughter's turn one and she's like i don't i thought i would be like kind of mourning the the fact that she's getting older and whatnot but i'm in a similar boat like i just let's celebrate the birthdays and the growth and the you know versus like grieving i love the newborn stage but we're we're done with having kids and i don't like i don't know i'm not i'm not grieving at least right now yeah i just i love the kids we made and the people they are more than the experience of motherhood, I guess, for lack of yeah, a better Yeah, oh my gosh. Isn't that the best feeling? I feel so similarly, and I feel like we're very, I feel like this could be a whole episode, but we're very much right now happy with just one kid and mm-hmm. really giving ourselves permission to just say, like, that could be it. Like, we might be done. And the only grief I have about that mm-hmm. is that I wish I had known that that was, would be a possibility when I was pregnant mm-hmm. because the whole time I assumed we would have multiple. So... My pregnancy and birth, I very much treated like my first pregnancy and my first birth. Whereas now I'm like, that might be my only ones. And I kind of wish I had like given myself permission to celebrate them as if they were the only time. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's my only hesitation with it. And it's almost like I wish I could not redo, but like, you know, feel a little differently during the first period of that. But other than that, I just love thinking of like all of the possibilities of just one kid and what our life could be. And I feel like I don't, at least at this point, still do not miss the newborn stage or pretty much the entire first year. I feel like every time I talk to parents in the first year, I'm just trying to like encourage them and tell them like, 
it it goes quickly. You'll be done soon. You got Which this. I, it's funny because so many people are like, it goes quickly. Enjoy it. And I, the whole time I was like, you shut up. Like, <laughs> it's not going quickly. And it's so hard. And I feel like, I don't know. I try yeah. and just encourage parents and be like, look, if you're not loving this like stage of having a five week old, that's okay. It's okay to wish that they were a little more older and more like safe and, <laughs> yep. you know, just I feel bigger. like there's so much shame culture right now with social media. Like you have to show the highlights mm-hmm. and it's all good all the time. And I just, I, I love this shift happening towards like more real raw reflection and embracing that. Totally. I think we can disagree or whatever. And I feel the same. Like, I'm just like, say what you feel because don't, it would, the more you hold it in, the harder it's going to be, you know? And totally. yeah, every season has its joys and its hearts for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I find that I've actually, to um, just like to add to that, the three, about the three month mark, like they're com- kind of coming into their own. They're more aware. And yeah. I feel like all the support stops at the same time. It's like they're newborns. They're just like a little, you know, for me, sleep was pretty okay in those early weeks and like I could just wear them in the in the wrap and I healed pretty quickly and I was kind of like all right like people are feeding us this is cool I'd like to get out more I'm a little bored but but then it's like the three month mark where it's like all of a sudden this baby like doesn't want to just be in the wrap they're awake more they want to be held they're noticing when you are trying to get some quick work done on your computer and then also there's food to be made and I'm like getting back to working out and I'm back to work and all and but then and all like, the support kind of stops. <laughs> like, oh my totally. gosh. I wish I could rewrite the the whole concept of like the meal drop-offs to have them kick off around. Like I need a cleaner and some meals, right? M- oh my gosh. More, more yeah. now than early on. You know? <laughs> yeah, I do feel like, I mean, that was one of the huge crux- cruxes for us was we didn't have any sort of parent community in Moab when we had our kid. And yeah, we just didn't have support which it's hard because like I even had my brother and his wife were living in Moab at the time and they actually just had their first kid in September and I flew to LA and like spent four days with them in November and like cleaned their house and helped with the baby and gave them a night where they got to sleep through the night like all these things Mm -hmm. and the whole time my sweet sister-in-law was just like I'm so sorry I didn't do this for you and I was like dude you didn't know and I didn't know to ask for this like new moms don't know what they need. They don't know to say like, come change my sheets, you know? And so when people say like, tell me if you need anything, they're just like, okay, well, I'm, I'll be okay. And I feel like that's why the meal trains are so important and those things that are set in place. But we didn't have any of that. We had like no community. Even in Moab, there's not like DoorDash. So we didn't even have the option of like ordering our own food. And so I feel like that was it was such a hard time for us because just from the beginning, we felt really alone. And I remember like one day sitting at, with Hyder and just thinking like, I just really wish someone would come change my sheet for me. But I like didn't even have it in me to ask someone to do that. And that's why, I don't know, one of my biggest things that I think about if we were to have another is that I already have much more of a community of support around me right now. And I know it would be so much easier because of that. But I definitely feel for the moms who don't feel like they're having any support because that was really hard. 100%. Yeah. And that's, we found that through this podcast, just the people who've even reached out me like, I was alone when I was having babies. And it, like, even though it was virtual, just tuning in and like the solidarity and the real talk, it, it's amazing what, how much, how far that can go. Totally. Yeah, for sure. 
I love it. Well, any final thoughts you would like to share with the community here before we wrap? I'm just, I'm so grateful to have had you on. This is, I've been pretty giddy about this, to be honest. And I, I, no surprise, I feel like we were kind of kindred souls. So thank you for sharing your time with us. Oh my gosh, absolutely. I mean, I feel like we've already named multiple like future episodes. So yep. I'm going to invite <laughs> we'll myself have you back. back on. <laughs> I would love that so much. It'll be fun to see yeah. how the girls grow. Totally. Yeah, it's in the the perspective shifts that's one thing too it's like always reserve the right to change my mind because i can have an opinion and I feel like this podcast is a good example of that if someone were to listen from day one to now I'm like huh you changed your mind about things and i'd be proudly say yes i sure have <laughs> i sure hope yeah. that my perspective would change you know so it'd be fun to have you back as yeah. you live more life and come to the table with more reflections absolutely yeah i definitely i agree i feel that's how i feel about my instagram you know like where i've been documenting my reality for 10 years and so obviously that has changed a lot and there have been times that I've learned and switched up and all those things and I feel like one of my favorite things about that community is just knowing how many people have been here for a lot of it or all of it and they've changed too and it's just such a cool I feel like every year we get a little closer the best oh well thank you I appreciate you I look forward to having you back on I look forward to continuing to follow your journey and I look forward to coming to visit you in Moab at some point with my girls. Yeah, well. absolutely. Oh my gosh, you please do. That would be so fun. <laughs> Wonderful. All right. Well, thank you. We'll chat soon, I'm sure. Enjoy your start to 2024 and I look forward to connecting again. Absolutely. Thanks right. so much. Thank you, Abby. Bye. Bye. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to our podcast. See you next time.